G'day and welcome to Museo Punks, the podcast for the Progressive Museum. My name is Suze Anderson and I will be your host and guide today as we explore another aspect of forward-thinking museum practice. It's been a couple of months since our last episode and I've been using that time to plan for and come up with a whole series of shows that I'm really excited about. I think you're going to enjoy them too. I've also been working on a few side projects, including a book project with Dr. Kia Winesmith and an impromptu book project with a small coterie of editors inspired by the MCN 2018 conference. But to start the new season with a bang, I'm joined by the fabulous Nina Simon and Rohini Kapitath to talk about Of by for all a new initiative being headed by simon to create museums and other cultural institutions that are more representative of and co-created by their communities this is such an exciting initiative and one that continues the work that simon and others in the sector have done to develop more participatory and co-creative institutions but beyond that I think it heralds a broader shift within the sector towards institutions that have community development as a core goal, not merely a peripheral outcome. Such changes make institutions answerable, not just to their boards and traditional stakeholders, nor only to their audiences, but to their communities writ large. In some ways, I think this reframes the mission of the museum and repositions it within its communities. And it furthers the idea proposed by Stephen Weil that museums were transforming from being about something to being for somebody. But as you'll hear from this discussion, there are very real and concrete benefits to taking on this kind of transformation. Nina Simon has been called a museum visionary by Smithsonian Magazine, a Silicon Valley business journal 40 under 40, and Santa Cruz County Woman of the Year for her innovative community leadership. She is the executive director of the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History and the founder, CEO of Of, By, For All Movement. Nina is the best-selling author of The Participatory Museum, The Art of Relevance, and the Popular Museum 2.0 blog. She lives off the grid in the Santa Cruz Mountains with 20 people, 24 chickens, five dogs, and one zipline. Rohini Kapadath is on the executive leadership team at Museums Victoria as General Manager, Immigration Museum. Currently leading the transformation of the museum into a living, vibrant destination that unites people across cultures and identities, Rohini brings a diverse career spanning 30 years in technology and professional services sectors. Rohini is a mother of three children with an enduring commitment to family, painting and influencing global change. Nina, Rohini, welcome to Museo Punks. Thank you, Suze. It's great to be here and particularly with Nina. I feel the same way about both of you. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you both here for this episode. So we are talking about of by for all which is a non-profit initiative that you have started nina and that you are driving that really takes the work that you've been doing at the ma and takes their innovative approach to build into an initiative that you're seeing as a, a global movement and an initiative to help us make innovative institutions around the world. And Rohini is here as a representative of one of those institutions from the pilot program. So let's start today by just talking a little bit about Of, By, For, All, what it is, where it comes from, and why you've decided to really shift your position and focus on this initiative full time. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so, as you know, for a long time, um, I've been an advocate for community participation in the cultural sector. So in museums, but also in theaters, in libraries, in parks, in all of these incredible community spaces that I see as having a public service mandate. Um, Many of us say we are trying to be institutions for everyone, but often I find that our organizations um, end up serving a narrow slice of our population. And so 
over the last eight years that I've been leading the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History, we made major changes to go from being a traditional organization serving a very typical uh, museum or arts audience to being one that really embraces the full diversity of our community and that as we incorporated new people into what we did, um, we incorporated them not just as audiences, not just becoming for them, but really as partners and as leaders, so becoming of and by them as well. And so I think that what we saw as a transformative opportunity at the MA, which was the opportunity to work in partnership with our community to strengthen both our community and our museum, um, we see that pattern in work in so many different successful community organizations around the world. I really have come to believe that strong community organizations are of, by, and for their communities, not just for them, and that those organizations are, yes, doing incredible work to engage the diversity of their communities to be really inclusive institutions, but that inclusivity is also driving their relevance, their financial resilience, and their success. Um, so I feel very strongly that this vision of building more inclusive institutions, it's core to who I am, it's core to what I've been doing in my work in museums, but also in writing. And um, it just kind of became a moment for me personally, Sue, where I felt like, you know what, now is the time um, to do throw everything I can at helping organizations that sincerely want to make this effort to go to that next level of inclusive practice. Um, and so I decided to go all in. Yeah, it really, these ideas seem like a really obvious maturation of the ideas that you've been working with for more than a decade now, really mm -hmm. thinking about participatory museum practice and, and cultural practice. Are there specific things that you learned or experienced um, as director of the MAR that has shaped the way your thinking has developed in this space? I mean, you talk about this as being not just important about for, for sort of our public service mandate, but also important in terms of community relevance and in terms of even financial um, mm -hmm. stability. Mm -hmm. what, what are the specific lessons that helped crystallise the way that your thinking has developed in this space? Well, so, you know, when I took over the MA as its director in 2011, it was on the verge of bankruptcy. It was about to close its doors. And so we really were able to transform this organization from a very precarious position to an incredibly strong position financially and in terms of attendance and presence and prominence in the community um, by taking this community participatory approach. And one of the things I've noticed um, as we start, start talking more and more about diversity, equity, and inclusion in our institutions is that those things are often seen as a cost. And they're often um, framed strictly in terms of the moral uh, progressive necessity that they're the right thing to do. And mm -hmm. I absolutely think it's the right thing to do. But I've also experienced very personally that I also believe it's the smart thing to do. And that if we want to have not just audiences, but partners, members, donors, collaborators who uh, represent where our countries and where our cities are going demographically, we have to start involving those people in everything that we do. And so I, I think that I lived that very personally at the MA. You know, we went from 17,000 visitors per year to 150,000 visitors per year. We went from seven staff to 40, and we did it by being becoming deeply engaged with our community so that this institution became of, by, and for our community. So we're really, um, as we work with organizations through of, by, for all, we're looking to work with organizations who feel that compelling urgency to make change. And hopefully most of them are not facing the kind of intense financial crisis that the <laughs> Ma was facing when I started. Yeah. But we have really seen, Suze, that the organizations that are really zooming forward with this work are the ones who find themselves in a strategic moment where they don't just feel like, oh yeah, diversity, we should be doing something with that. But they really feel that this is critical to their future as an organization and as an effective organization in their community. And I actually think Rohini's story 
um, really fits into that because the Immigration Museum, you know, is not uh, in the same situation at the Ma at all. But I just saw so clearly from the beginning of their involvement how clearly tied this work was to what they're all about and what they're trying to achieve. So that is a perfect time to to switch to Rohini and your your museum is part of the first wave pilot of of buy for all of the change network. So why did the immigration decide to join this movement and to join the network? What is that urgency or what what, what inspired that that sense that this is something that was so critical for you as an organization? Well, that's a great question, Suze, and uh, I think I should start by just setting the context. Immigration Museum is part of Museums Victoria, which is um, the uh, state government body that runs uh, various museums in Melbourne, including Melbourne Museum, Science Works, the Bunjalaka Aboriginal Cultural Centre, and uh, the Royal Exhibition Building, which is a World Heritage listed uh, uh, building, and the Immigration Museum. So we're one of five in that family. Um, And the Museum's Victoria Strategic Plan for 2017 to 2025 had a priority initiative, which was around the transformation of the Immigration Museum. And the intent was to to, to transform the museum to be a living, vibrant, multicultural centre for the exploration of identity and multicultural life in Melbourne and in Victoria. So this required us to focus on broadening and deepening engagement with underrepresented audiences. We're really fortunate to be living in a city, Melbourne, which is regarded as the most successful multicultural city in the world. Um, So accessing these audiences was really not an an issue at all because they're all around us. Um, and we saw the Off by For All first wave research project as a really important opportunity for us to, you know, not only deepen our community involvement, develop suitable tools and methodologies to drive accountability, you know, to accelerate our mission aligned change, but also then to be part of this global network to, and to work closely with uh, with Nina Simon and and um, and her team to uh, understand best practice in this area. I, you know, our ambitions were high and we knew that in order to um, really shift the dial towards co-creation and co-ownership with community, we really needed to uh, hook this into the overall strategy of the institution. I should also add, though, that, you know, Immigration Museum has a very proud history of working with communities right across Victoria for more than 20 years and that, you know, in the last, uh, since opening in 1998, that we've worked with about 80 communities to highlight the city's origins, to share stories of those who've migrated here and the, you know, and the positive influences they've had in cultivating um, rich and multicultural life. So for us to do this, it was a really, it was a natural fit and, and this was now about scaling up and I'd love to talk more about that later. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about what the pilot program looks like and what it involves. And in fact, who else is in the network, Nina? Yeah, so um, basically we're constructing of Buy for All with two parts. One part is about broad movement building, so offering up free tools on the internet to anybody who wants to explore ways to become more of, by, and for their community. But then we're really focusing most of our energy on this program we're calling the Change Network, which is for organizations that are ready to say, we're ready to make a commitment to really making changes to become more deeply representative of our community, more co-created by our community, and more welcoming for our community. Um, You know, I personally feel like amidst all the great and nuanced and deep conversation happening today around inclusion and diversity and equity, a lot of it is focused on the why and the what. And we've really been focusing on building of by for all to focus on the how, to support that manager, um, that organization that says, we're committed. Now, where do we start and what do we do and where do we go next? And so basically, we think about of by for all the change network program as um, having three elements. One is tools. Um, so, you know, these recipes 
recipes for change, very tangible things you can do to change how you engage community in the work that you do. One piece of it is about accountability. So that's about um, having a goal, tracking your progress, getting coaching along the way. And the third part is about building this global community. Because I know that for myself, from my experience at the Ma, and also people I've met along the way, often those of us who are doing this work um, can feel quite lonely or like oddballs. And there's a real power to building this global community so that if your supervisor or your board or somebody asks, what are you doing at this place? You can point to others and say, hey, we're part of a global conversation about organizations doing work in community differently. Um, the pilot, we really brought together a group of 21 organizations that intentionally re uh, represented very diverse sectors and budget mm. sizes um, and to some extent geography as well. So we have a couple of all-volunteer organizations with budgets of under – $50,000 US per year. We have a couple of huge organizations with budgets of 15 or 20 million per year um, and everything in between because we're really curious about does the how look different for different sizes. And then similarly with sector, um, about a third of the organizations that are part of Of By For All are um, in the traditional cultural sector. So those would be museums, theaters, heritage sites. But then we also have organizations like public libraries, public parks. Um, we have a health, a transgender health center. We have um, an organization that's kind of like a YMCA style organization and a couple of organizations that do arts programming in communities without a physical building, including a public radio station. So again, because this pilot is a research project, we really wanted to push ourselves and challenge ourselves to test what kinds of organizations does this work for? And are there certain kinds of organizations either by size or by sector um, for whom this is not a fit as we're trying to figure out how this program and how this movement should grow. Yeah, it's one of the things I've been interesting, uh, interested in finding more out as I've been reading about the program and exploring the program is how participants in the pilot program are helping shape the process and the initiative as you think about expanding it, but also what those early experiences are teaching you, Nina, but also mm -hmm. teaching participants. So I'd love to hear from both of you about what these first five months have, have been showing you, either Rohini, in your case, about your institution and, and Nina, about what this project might look like as it does start to scale. Mm -hmm. Well, Suze, for us, uh, you know, it, this participating in the Off by Four All network has enabled us to send a clear clarion call within the organization that as, an, that, that as a museum, immigration museum, intended to make this philosophy a key part of our DNA going forward. Um, the good thing about that is that we have a very strong foundation to build upon because, you know, as I said, that the team has been doing this for a number of years with great success. Um, you know, we've run three community festivals every year. We've worked closely with community. Um, we have a wide number of people in Melbourne who are very vested in, and, and, and personally invested in, in, in the museum and its success. Uh, so we, have, we already have that sense of community around us. But really taking this forward, what we recognize is that we needed to formalize all the ways in which we co-curated with community. Um, and, and this is where I'd like to talk a bit more about, about the scaling up of our efforts. It meant formalizing things like mentorship programs, you know, spaces, like where, you know, when we work with community, do we have a room where they could sit with us and actually co-curate the programs? It encouraged conversations around sharing agency, you know, um, it required us to shift our mindset. It required us to be more agile in terms of handing over um, power to community groups and really respecting and recognizing them as uh, the cultural knowledge holders. So whilst we have been doing this for a number of years, um, it, it really in, made sure that we had a way in which we communicated with a community advisory group 
so that they were involved in decision making for the programming calendar for the museum. I'm, I'm really interested in this idea about sort of the formalization of things, of practices that are sort of happening informally, mm-hmm. because I do think there are a lot of organizations and a lot of people who have been influenced at, in large part, Nina, by the work that you've been doing for many years now, really working around participatory practices. So I think these things are happening in our institutions. Do you think this idea of formalizing things and building policies and practices around them so that they are really built into the fabric of the institution is one of the defining features that starts to differentiate how of by for all um, becomes more embedded within institutions? Yes, although I guess I would say... um, it's still too young, both of by for all, but also all this work happening to say that we are going to formalize to the extent that we can, you know, put a sticker that says best practices on it. I think that's really not our intention. Um, I think, you know, I've been often using this analogy that what we're offering up are recipes for change, but that in your organization, in your geographic context, in your community, you may need to substitute an ingredient. You may have a different way of approaching it and that that's a great thing. And so I think that from my perspective, you know, kind of going back to this idea of the how, I see a lot of organizations where um, when they first want to get started with something like, for example, Rohini just was talking about community advisory groups, a lot of organizations are getting serious about this. And there are a lot of models out there, but everybody's sort of starting from scratch and exploring. And so what we're trying to offer is not to say this is the only recipe for how to make a community advisory group, but to pull together tools to say, hey, here are some key questions you can ask yourself as you're creating this group. And here are four different models for it and four different links to four different examples of it. So kind of packaging that so that somebody who's ready to go has the tools to do it. Because in my experience, um, we can lose a lot of momentum between our enthusiasm for something and our ability to actually operationalize it. And so we're trying to accelerate people who are already energized about this ability to actually do it. And so we have often, um, when I think about the growth of, of By For All as a movement, you know, I often look at movements like um, the green building movement, you know, which did not start with LEED certified buildings. It started with a group of architects who said, hey, we want to be more environmentally conscious and sustainable. Let's start swapping practices. Let's start figuring this out. And decades on, there's this certification process in the United States that is, you you know, very codified and very known from a brand perspective as well. Um, Or I look at something like the social benefit corporation movement, you know, with B Corps and this idea that what we're trying to do right now is energize and catalyze a community um, who are doing the work, make it easier for more organizations to do the work. And eventually, I think it could grow to a place where there is such a thing as an of by for all certified organization. Um, But I think we're very far from that. And we're deliberately um, not Uh, starting there because we know that what we are learning with and from all of these organizations is going to influence our collective understanding of what that best practice or what that certification might even be. Yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk about this and this idea of movement building because it does sound like there's a lot of community organising principles at stake and that also sounds true of the kinds of um, changes within institutions. Mm -hmm. It's not just the movement building but it's community organisation at a museum level or within a library or any of the types of non-profits and other institutions that you're working with. Are you explicitly drawing from community organization models when thinking about the program? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that's been core to how the Santa Cruz Museum of Art and History works for a long time. Many of our staff come from a community organizing background. We do a lot of training around that. And actually, many of the tools we're offering up in the Of By For All network um, are sort of community organizing 101. So things like, you know, how do you um, cold call people in a community who you don't know anything about? How do you have a first meeting with a potential partner and have it instead of being transactional, have it be something that's really about establishing a relationship towards kind of mutual benefit. And so, and those are certainly things that I've learned from colleagues in community organizing. And then I would say at the macro level on the movement perspective, yes, you know, some of the movements that we've been most inspired by in thinking about how to build of by for all are movements that are completely outside of the culture sector. So for example, one of the ones that really inspires me is called the 100,000 Homes campaign, which was a campaign across North America to end chronic homelessness. And similarly, they had um, determined uh, through lived experience some very specific practices that worked to transform um, what was happening for people who were long-term homeless in the U.S. They um, socialized sort of that toolkit of practices, um, and they really created an energizing campaign for, in that case, cities that wanted to get involved and wanted to make a a specific commitment to ending homelessness. And so similarly, right now, Of By For All is organized around this pledge campaign where any organization that joins a change network is making a pledge to involve a specific number of people from specific underrepresented communities with their work. And so collectively, we're working together to become Of By For All, but that might mean that one organization, you know, we have a history museum that's focused on LGBTQ youth. We have a library focused on Somali immigrant mothers. We have a park focused on bicycle advocates. So they're each focusing on a different community who they see as underrepresented and having the potential to make a transformative impact on the future of their organization and the future of their community. So it's also not trying to be of, by, for, all immediately with everyone all at once. It is sort of focusing on who are we creating a relationship with and how do we make that a sustainable and meaningful relationship as a first step with one or, you know, a a small number of specific um, partners. Is that that right to categorise it that way? That's correct. And it's actually been one of the things that has been, um, I think, both challenging and really Uh, liberating and effective for many of the organizations is especially those who are in very big cities will say, well, how can we pick just one community to focus on? There are so many communities who are important to us. And we always say, absolutely. But if you're um, here to learn new practices for how you're going to involve communities, um, we really encourage you to start with one community so that you can start to build the skills and behaviors and go deep with them and understand what will meaningful relationship look like and how much could we scale that to different communities? And I think that there are some organizations, you know, like Immigration Museum that had much more uh, confident history in involving individual communities. So they had a more creative approach to how they defined and articulated their community of focus. But we ask every organization when they're starting out in the change network to pick just one community of focus because we're asking them to then do things like, you know, go visit it, um, you know, events and organizations in that community and ha- sit down one-on-one with leaders in that community and um, tour your space from that community's perspective. And I think that often when organizations start thinking about involving more diverse audiences, they immediately jump to everyone who's not involved. And I think that that is a right. recipe for overwhelm, confusion, or for superficial work. And so um, we've really taken the attitude, and again, this is something patterned in what we've done at the MA, that if we work um, with individual communities deeply, it will teach us more about how to involve more and more communities in what we do. Yeah, I think that's really important. And again, it goes to this question of um, 
getting to the how you start to make these changes rather than just looking at the why because even thinking about things like resource allocation is really tied to how you decide to prioritize things. Rohini, Nina gave us a great little teaser about um, how you've been thinking about your focus communities. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, you know, initially we started out uh, wanting our focus community to be this community advisory group, and we have made, you know, strong inroads into reaching out to various uh, uh, collaborators that we've worked with in the past. And what we then discovered that alongside of that work, there was the day-to-day, you know, development of new ideas in the museum, and we started to implement all of this great philosophy and and, and the learnings into our you know, our current Summer of Love season, which features the love exhibition, the Khalil Gibran Garden of the Prophet and a Grow Gather Share um, exhibition as well. So so we started to live the new philosophies through these through these experiences in the museum. And we've already seen a huge boost in our visitor numbers and um, and also the way in which we worked with uh, with community. We tell a number of stories in the love exhibition um, and which which captures the essence of you know how people how humans um, uh, love across cultures and identities. With the Khalil Gibran exhibition, we worked very closely with what's called the Community Reference Group. So we had about let's say about I think about at least ten or eleven people, including the former a former premier of the the state who is, um, has a Lebanese background, um, a, a Gibran researcher, number of people who are key community influencers and business leaders. So we had a wonderful mix in that community reference group. And that reference group, we met with them every month to and involved them in the process of bringing this exhibition from Bishari in Lebanon. What we found is that the Lebanese community was so touched and honoured by uh, bringing this uh, exhibition which had come for the first time um, out of Bishari that the that this was a great way for us to engage that community and of course Khalil Gibran is a a poet and a philosopher of international repute so this was not specifically for the Lebanese community but it certainly enabled us to uh, apply our off by for all uh, learnings in that environment even with Grow Gather in Share you know what that exhibition is about is about uh, 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 you know, chefs growing food and and and, and creating uh, uh, culinary delights, and what we what we've discovered is, and and that's meant that we've created a summer garden at the Immigration Museum. This has enabled us to then work as a good neighbor with our with apartments very close to the museum. So we have the Port Authority apartments. We find ourselves engaging with them. And whereas previously uh, uh, residents in these apartments took issue with loud music when we had ran festivals and so on, they're now interested in taking on the ongoing care of this community garden. So it's been a delightful interaction with our neighbours. And again, what we, you know, we've been able to really apply all of our thinking and um, from the Off By For All program to all of these interactions. So I think, you know, what, what, how this has impacted our organization is that day to day we have the Off By For All philosophy being embedded more and more deeply into our, into core museum practice, into our operations and into our are thinking about future strategies. And there's another very nice example of how this has impacted us at Immigration Museum outside of our key pledge. So as I said, the key pledge is a big win for us. That's something we're working on and we're getting people on board. We're also very keen on raising appropriate funds so that we are able to give our you know, value people's time, offer them honorariums. So it's not just about bringing together a group right. of people. I mean, we've got people interested in working with us on the on the community advisory group. Um, it's really not about uh, th- that. That's the easy part. But the next part for us is investing appropriately in running 
and managing and facilitating ACES, uh, a community advisory group with meaningful objectives, meaningful decisions to make, a program backing all of their interactions, and as I said, you know, an honorarium for their work um, with us. So there are certain, you know, ethics and principles driving a lot of our decisions and s- so we're moving slowly in some areas because it involves um, raising some investments. It in- involves building, uh, underpinning the foundation uh, programs. For example, we you know we want to give the, the community advisory group a process uh, by which they can review expressions of interest given to us by community. So that whole program is currently being built, but. Alongside, in parallel, we're doing, you know, we're, we're seeking out the quick wins as well. For example, we are reimagining what was previously called the Immigration Discovery Center. And the Discovery Center was previously dedicated to the delivery of public information services on journeys migrants undertook to come to Australia. So it's a beautiful space with uh, wonderful, you know, bluestone pillars, and it's, it's, it's just a, a really warm space. We've now designated the space for experimentation, for expression of community-led ideas. And we're capturing requests um, through the website, through what's called our Ask Us, and we're encouraging use of the space through word of mouth. So we're talking to our visitor experience staff and telling them that when they're talking to community who are expressing an interest, to show them the space as one where they can come in and kind of... um, you know, run run community um, events or or, or or meetings with their with, with groups, etc. And just yesterday, we had a wonderful story time with young kids, in partnership with our local kindergarten. So, you know, that's how the off by for all philosophy is guiding a lot of our thinking about how we're engaging with our immediate neighbors. What are the what are what's where where does the do the low hanging fruit lie in terms of bringing community into the into the museum and making them feel like this is their museum this is a space in which they can choose to um, um, you know express themselves so we have a structured process that captures all these requests um, we have resources allocated to the space so we've got a facilitator for the discovery center we're looking at you know renaming that center and we're currently seeking ideas on on the name chain you know will it be a community hub will it be like a collaboratory will it be a a discovery lounge for example so um, and we and we're really lucky that we have a wonderful uh, 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 you know, young staff member who is uh, very committed to engaging community into that space. So that's like a designated incubator for us for the Off by Four Old program. And, and you know, for me, hearing Rohini's great stories makes me reflect on how um, for an organization like Immigration Museum, which had a deep history of doing work with community, I feel like what I'm hearing in your story, Rohini, is the ways in which this framework um, become an accelerant and an amplifier of values and energy you already had. You know, we also have other organizations in this Change Network pilot who are really engaging community for the first time and um, are using our tools to start entering into conversations they maybe have never had before. And so we have organizations across the spectrum. I think what's most important to me when I think about the success of where we want to build the movement, but also really personally, is that I want to see action and change in our fields. And I feel like while I appreciate and respect all the conversation that's happening about these issues of inclusion, I am somebody who is so energized and always impatient for action. And so I think everything we're building is about asking ourselves, how can we accelerate this work in organizations that are already doing it? How can we provide supports for those managers, for those activists within organizations that want to get it going? How can we help people manage up within their own organizations by giving them tools to give more credibility and legitimacy to these things that they've been energized about, but haven't had that kind of stamp of approval 
approval or this sense of others are doing it around the world. And so I think that the reason, you know, I'm taking this big risk and leaving my job as a museum director to focus full time on this. And the reason we've put together this team with Shelley Bernstein and Lauren Benatua is because all of us um, have seen how powerful this action is. And we just want to do everything we can to help more of it happen in the world. Yeah, and Nina, Nina, I think uh, it's sort of, I would love to sort of share more around uh, how this work is impacting us at the Immigration Museum, particularly around what we're starting to call hyper-collaboration. So we as an organization are now ready to embrace a very disciplined approach to this kind of collaboration at scale. And so we see the Off By For All philosophy enabling us to set up this, you know, a framework um, for that community engagement at scale. So some of the differences are that, you know, we're now setting goals for community engagement. We're adopting these new mindsets and behaviors to strengthen our work. We're shifting our focus as well in our role from being sole creators to co-curators and facilitators and enablers. So it's about how we're seeing ourselves and how our programming team as well are are seeing their role as, as, as enablers and accelerators. We're also looking at how we're sharing our resources and our expertise with community. So our focus is shifting to building community capability and capacity in community so they know how to work with museums because museums are very, very difficult places to work with um, and 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 I know that time and time again each time we work with community we know that that, that there are barriers that they have to overcome in in, in working with us so um, you know we're challenging the status quo on these existing processes that were appropriate 20 years ago and maybe even 10 and five years ago but they certainly they no longer serve our objective now and and we're starting to track our progress towards these goals we're collecting participant data to establish that that baseline. So I think that issue of scaling up and making this the new norm is where we're trying to get to. And by no means are we there yet. No. You know, even though we've had experience, we've done it, for example, at specific times on our terms and we have... um, uh, you know, engage with, 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 with communities we've chosen to engage with. So a lot is still shifting. This is a work in progress. And we're, we're just wanting to become more broadly welcoming of all people. We're wanting to overcome those internal barriers, those unwieldy processes that make us less welcoming than we aspire to be. So we're constantly questioning ourselves. And this fits in beautifully with, you know, our new vision and mission, which uh, the museum has been, you know, on a, on a journey to building that new vision and mission, which, uh, um, you know, where we have that that remit to uh, broaden our, our sights on becoming a place that is connected to our shared, you know, where, where people are connected to our shared humanity and em- embrace diversity for a just future. Yeah. Rohini, hearing you talk, you you sort of made mention about museums being quite difficult for people to engage in. And we know that there are quite high barriers for a lot of people when it comes to engaging with museums. But I wonder whether this reorientation of institutions to become of, for and by all um, really changes the essential role of the museum within its community or of really any uh, non-profit institution within its community. That is true. It, and this is why this work is not easy and it really does involve a big shift in our mindset. Um, some museums are better placed to be able to do this than others and certainly our museum, given the work that we've we've done with, with, with community, you know, we, we have a leaning in that direction already. But it's not about represent. I think the shift is that it's not about representing community and community voices. It's really about sharing agency, handing over agency, and letting community represent themselves acknowledging community as the cultural knowledge holders and enabling, you know, recognizing and respecting their expertise, bringing them to the table as equal partners, and then 
recognizing that the museum has its expertise as well that we bring to the table. And together, we can create a much better outcome and create the kind of change we want in society and literally create the kind of society we all want to live in. And I I hear that with so much excitement. And then I also, you know, at the same time, think about the one of the beautiful things about running this first uh, wave as a as a research project is we've been asking Rohini and all 21 of the organizations to give us very detailed reports on how they're using the tools we're giving them and what progress they're making. And I was just pulling up, you know, uh, always at the end of the month, we ask for progress reports. So my box has been filling with February progress reports. And I just see things like, you know, a tiny organization saying um, we, uh, you know, had set a goal to have more um, ethnically diverse interns this summer. Our goal was to bring in two and we're bringing in 10, you know, or um, just, yeah, and just very specific things that organizations are changing where, you know, I I really feel like we're living in a moment where there's a lot of... um, intellectual focus on these topics. There's a lot of emotional desire to do the work. And we are trying to make it easier for those who are motivated to to do it. Because I think that often that can be mystifying. And, you know, for a long time, with my writing and with speaking, I felt both proud to share what the Ma was doing, but also a little, a little bit nervous whenever somebody would say, oh, well, it's because you're in Santa Cruz or, oh, it's because you're this. And I think that the more Rohinis there are out there, the more different kinds of organizations of different sizes in different places and very different contexts are doing this work, the more it becomes something that can be institutionalized as to what you were saying you know, a, a reorientation of what organizations can be, as opposed to just pointing to a few organizations and saying, well, they're doing things in a very different way over there, but that can't work for all of us. And, and I would say personally, I don't expect all organizations or all museums to join the Buy for All movement, but I expect that there is a healthy, um, energized group of organizations out there who say, yeah, we identify as being centered on our community. We identify with the idea that for us, success looks like being of, by, and for our community. And we'd like a way to have more clarity about how to do that and more legitimacy and more support in doing that. And that's exactly what we're trying to build. So that is a really good chance to to pitch. I'm pretty sure if I know my listeners well that a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast are exactly the sort of people who want to take that action and take those next steps themselves. You're in a pilot project right now. What are the longer term plans in terms of rolling out this as a movement? But also, how can people who do want to get involved even at a personal level, how, how can they be involved? Yeah, so, okay, so in, let me start with the second one. Um, the easiest way to get involved and get started is to go to the Of By For All website at ofbyforall.org, and you'll find some free tools and resources right there, including a self-assessment so you can um, get a sense of how your organization succeeds and struggles right now with being Of By For All, and also how what you're doing measures up across 1,500 people in 47 countries who have tried that so far, as well as toolkits on how to co-create an exhibition, how to do audience data collection, um, a bunch of different tools like that. And then as for the Change Network, which is where we're putting most of our energy, we're actually recruiting a second wave right now, um, focusing um, in this case again with an invited group um, based on people who'd expressed interest in the first wave and had applied. But I expect that by the fall of this year of 2019, we'll start opening up bigger and bigger waves. Um, My goal is that by the end of 2020, we have 200 organizations enrolled and participating and um, that it can grow much bigger than that in the future. And so I think that um, if you go to the website, 
you know, the best way to get uh, notified about opportunities is to sign up to the email list. It's very much a startup. It's very much evolving. Um, and, and it's very much a nonprofit where we also have to figure out how to raise the money to make it all work. But, um, you know, we're putting our full energy into this and, um, and we've got really committed partners, um, alongside us. And so, um, we would love to have more organizations. And I get these emails every day and I love, love, love hearing from people who say our museum, our library, our park, our organization is ready and interested in doing this. We know it will be messy. We know that we'll have to stretch ourselves um, and we can't wait to get started. And so if that's you, um, please go to the website, please send me a note and, um, you know, join us in this work to build the kinds of inclusive organizations that I believe um, will not only empower our communities, but will make our organizations um, the resilient, reflective, effective organizations we want them to be. And to add to that, Nina, you know, the case for Off by Four All is made around, you know, staying around relevance, around visitation results. And, you know, we've had record visitation from various festivals we've run recently in in collaboration uh, with community like the uh, Blue Black Beats and Voice uh, One Beat, One Love. And, and of course, around financial sustainability. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, museums of the future with dwindling uh, and shrinking um, uh, external uh, f- uh, grants, etc., have to find ways to become um, more financially independent. And I think involving the community in this way is is really the way in which uh, we can indeed achieve the the not only visit higher visitation but also um, staying relevant for our for our audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nina, Rohini, this has been such a lovely conversation. Thank you both so much for, for joining me. Um, hopefully we can check back in, in in the future and find out a little bit more about how things have developed as the pilot program develops and grows and the movement continues to grow. Wonderful. We would love to. Well, thank you, Suze. And I just wanted to say a special thanks to Nina Simon and her team at Off By For All for all the support that they've provided through the process. Lauren Benetua has been particularly skilled in running the Partner Power workshops and the weekly calls and the progress reports that we've all had to share has really kept us on track to deliver on our pledge and also to reshape our pledge, you know, where that's been necessary. I think it's been great to be a part of a global change network as we together operationalize diversity, equity, and inclusion in our institutions. So thank you again. Nina, Rohini, thank you both so much for that inspirational discussion. I think it was the perfect discussion, in fact, to kick off Museo Punk's third season. In the coming months, we're going to be talking about topics like paradigmatic change in museums, shifts in hiring practices and workers' rights, and a lot more. I hope you'll join me on this journey and for this third season as we explore progressive practice in museums and what it looks like today. As always, I've popped links to much of what we spoke about in the show notes, which you can find at museopunks.org, along with transcripts of every episode. Museopunks is presented every month by the American Alliance of Museums. You can connect with me on Twitter at Museopunks or at ShinesLike, and of course, you can subscribe anytime at iTunes or Stitcher. Since my daughter started going to daycare, I've said some version of the following to her at drop-off every day. Be kind, do something nice for somebody, be brave and try something new. I leave you with the same challenge. You know, for all the organizations around the world who are currently looking at uh, becoming more inclusive and representative of their uh, societies and communities, I'd be recommending that they consider looking at the Off By For All Change Network and consider joining the second wave. It's a whole lot of fun and I think we've all learned a lot along the way.